It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, Gronk here, calling a 30-second hair huddle. When it comes to tackling hair loss, Hims has you covered. From clinically proven regrowth treatments to thickening shampoo and conditioner. Just go to 4 for a free consultation. Then a licensed medical provider can help you with your game plan. If prescribed, Hims ships directly to your door. Get your hair back in the game with Hims. Try today and get a 90-day money-back guarantee at 4 Just go to 4 slash NFL. That's 4 slash NFL. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. We're going to do it. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. Like us on Facebook. You can subscribe to Locked On Packers on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play, and you can follow us on the all-new podcast app, Himalaya, which I highly recommend you download and subscribe to Locked on Packers. You can find us anywhere you find podcasts on your smart device, in your car. We are the number one Packers podcast in the state of Wisconsin. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. I had a an itinerary for today and I had to throw it away because Rob Domofsky came out with the first Uh, extensive interview with former Packers coach Mike McCarthy since he was unceremoniously dismissed following that embarrassing loss to the Cardinals. And so I thought we would dig into it a little bit today. And we're going to get to some of the stuff that I don't think, it's not that I don't think it's useful, it's that I, I don't know that we can really be taking Mike's word for it on this particular topic, or at least that he is a reliable narrator in this case. I want to start on the other side of the spectrum with some of the interesting uh, things that that I found that, that we can use moving forward as it relates to the Packers. I want to start by saying it is once again clear, and this was something that we talked a lot about after the Mike McCarthy firing. I wrote an entire piece about it, that one of the things, for whatever else you can say about Mike McCarthy, And whatever criticisms that you want to lob at him and whatever critiques you have, he understood the magnitude of the job he was given. And he truly appreciated not just Green Bay as an organization, but the city, the community, and the fan base. He got it. He understood in a way that not every coach might and in a way that not every coach can in every NFL franchise because not every team is the Packers. In fact, no other organization has the structure the Packers do. No other team has the local support the way the Packers do. There is no other team like the Green Bay Packers. It's why you listen to this show. You're just different. It's why a team that is the smallest market in the NFL can have the biggest 
local daily podcast on a network full of local daily podcasts. The fans are just different. The team is just different. The culture is just different. And Mike McCarthy always appreciated that. He always understood that. That was his message to Matt LaFleur was, coach your ass off, enjoy it, and and appreciate the situation that you have. I don't think anyone can be salty about Mike McCarthy because he, he did care. You know, for whatever we can say about complacency, and we'll, we'll get to that in a little bit, he cared. He cared. And it, it is something that, that you know, seems obvious. It seems intuitive. It seems like every coach cares about their circumstance. They care about winning. Mike McCarthy cared more than most coaches do. And he was not always able to translate that into winning. And, and there are reasons for that. And, and we can get into them. But you can't chalk it up to lack of effort for Mike McCarthy. And one of the things that I think is really interesting and something that will will translate, something that is going to be important as we move forward, is he talked about his relationship with Aaron Rodgers. And he he described him as the kind of quarterback who worked really hard, again, but who also was impossibly bright and who was a heavy part of the game plan, who was given a ton of responsibility at the line of scrimmage. I mean, Mike McCarthy basically said he has more responsibility than any quarterback I've ever been around, remembering that Mike McCarthy was in Kansas City with Joe Montana, and Aaron Rodgers has more freedom than those guys. Is that a way of taking some responsibility for the scheme failures off of McCarthy? Maybe. Maybe it is. Because if Aaron Rodgers was that big a part of game planning and and scheme, then some of the responsibility for the stagnation of this offense maybe should fall on the shoulders of Aaron Rodgers. But he also talked about the issue of keeping Rodgers engaged and, and challenging him while also making sure everyone else was on board. And and this is an interesting and unique situation that I think requires some nuance to discuss. It's not that Rodgers was a diva. It's not that Rodgers was difficult to coach, at least based on this explication of the scenario. It's that Rodgers is like a gifted student. It can be hard to make sure you're you're fully stimulating that gifted student, that you're giving him and putting on his plate the things that he needs and the things that he wants. Because he wants to push. He wants to go further. He wants to go faster. He wants to go harder. And not everyone else on the offense can do that. And if you think about your elementary school days or your high school days, maybe less so in college, there were always a couple kids in class, maybe you were one of them, that always raised their hand, that always had the answers, that always knew the answer before the teacher even finished the question. But there is also this huge swath of kids in that same class that even if they study every night, that even if they do the homework, even when they put in the work, they can't get to that level. Intellect is one of those things that is, that is uh, as much as there is this conflict with nature versus nurture, you're either born with the capacity to have certain things in your brain or you're not. And you can work and, and, and all of those things, but 
you're still capped by this natural ability that you either have or you don't or that you have on a certain level. To be a quarterback in the NFL, you have to be in that top tier percent. I've told this story before, but I had a an NFL scout once tell me that most NFL quarterbacks, if they weren't quarterbacks, they would go be stockbrokers or entrepreneurs or work in Silicon Valley because they're just impossibly smart guys. Their brains work in this really unique way. They can process information in ways that you or I can't really comprehend. They have to. I mean, you think about all of the data points a quarterback has to process in under three seconds while taking a drop, while being aware of all the bodies around them, all of the players on the field, 70,000 people in the stands screaming at them, the elements, the wind, all of that stuff has to be processed in split seconds. Not everyone else on the offense has that responsibility. In fact, none of them do. They have part of that responsibility. They have parts of those things swirling around in their brains. Okay, if, if the cornerback is playing me this way, I have to do this thing. If the defensive line is a line like this, they're probably going to twist this way, and so we have to have this blocking scheme. There are certainly things every play that you have to account for. You don't have to know if you're the guard what the receiver is doing. You don't have to know what kind of coverage the defense is playing. You don't have to know down and distance and tendencies for defenses in terms of their coverages, their alignments, their personnel. You have to know which guy you got to block. And so if Rodgers is saying, well, hey, what if we inverted this formation this way and we use this personnel? None of that stuff matters to you. And so... That is, uh, I think, the the best way to frame this. And it was the way that I, that I had more or less described what I felt was going on. And remember the example that, that Rodgers told Josh Rosen, basically, he gets bored in, in training camp and uses practice as a way to sort of sharpen skills that he doesn't otherwise get to sharpen. This is something Matt LaFleur is going to have to contend with. It's something that Matt LaFleur is going to have to accommodate. I don't think it's a challenge per se in that it's a negative. It's not. Roger's intellect is one of his supreme gifts. It is also something that that always has him questioning. It always has him pushing and trying to figure out why, trying to figure out how, how do they get better, how do they grow, how do they evolve. What you don't want is to have him in that room going, well, why? Why are we doing this? Why do we do it this way? In a negative way. In a in a truly you know value neutral way, just a sort of natural curiosity. Okay, why are we doing it this way? This is this is something Sean McVay does all the time. He wants everyone to know all of the elements and why all of the elements are the way that they are, so that if there is a flaw, it is a tacit understanding that no play is perfect. And it can always be improved. And so if everyone knows why everyone else is doing the things that they're doing and why the play is set up the way that it is, then if there is a flaw, if there is a problem, someone is going to notice because everyone knows what's going on, not just the coaches. It can't just be Aaron Rodgers who knows everything about everything. And one of the things that Matt LaFleur talked about a couple times in various press settings over the course of this offseason was Sean McVay's ability as a communicator and his ability to relay information to his players. That's something that 
Matt LaFleur has firsthand experience with. Whether or not he can replicate it is obviously its own question, but he's seen it. Kyle Shanahan is a infamous and perhaps simply famous meticulous crafter of plays. Ryan Grant tells a story of spending this this inordinate, it seemed to him, amount of time on a simple run play and that the Packers would never do that because it wasn't a, a focus of the offense. And it's not just that it wasn't a focus, it's that it wasn't a core tenet of the offense. The thing about Shanahan is if you can perfect that run play and you can call it any time and you can pick up four, five, six yards, then the rest of your offense predicated on that run play, then everything is better based off that. The details, the meticulous organization, that stuff is what had been absent from this team the last few years with McCarthy. And that's clear. And that was something that Brian Gudikins talked about. It's something that Mark Murphy talked about. It's something that David Bakhtiari mentioned on Twitter. Accountability, complacency, allowing players to be late to meetings. They're just, Mike McCarthy didn't seem to be aware of how deep this issue had gotten. That's something Matt LaFleur has to address. And he's had two good teachers and Sean McVay and Kyle Shanahan. So can he implement a system that everyone can get on board with, everyone can understand the why and how, that can get Rodgers stimulated, that doesn't leave everyone else behind, that doesn't leave everyone else going, wait, huh? That is the unique thing about this offense is they're going to spend time. They're going to make sure everyone knows the foundational pieces of this offense, that is illusion of complexity that we talked about, it may only be 10, 12, 15 core plays, but they're going to run them out of different formations, different personnel groupings, different motions, you know, all kinds of different ways to make it look different, to make it look more complex than it is, the illusion of complexity. It can be like Mike Patton, Simple to the players, but complex to the opponent. And that is the sort of ideal when we're talking about trying to give Rodgers that complexity while also making sure everyone else can be up to speed. If your offense is really predicated on a core 10, 12, 15 plays, but you're going to run it out of all these other all these other formations, Rodgers has to know all of those other formations and all of the looks and all of the defensive looks that are going to come with those formations. But the players, their responsibilities are more or less the same. So you get the best of both worlds. When you hear Mike McCarthy talk about that stuff, it actually gives you a clearer picture why someone like Matt LaFleur was so obviously the choice to Green Bay. And, and Mark Murphy made it seem like he was the obvious choice. Like I said, the more we hear from LaFleur, the more we get from McCarthy, the more we hear from this front office, it becomes obvious why Matt LaFleur was the choice to take over this offense. Now it's up to him. And I think he will embrace this opportunity the way that Mike McCarthy did. I think he is, in a lot of ways, the perfect Packers coach from a demeanor standpoint, if you're going to take a young coach, which he is. 
now he has to do what McCarthy did early in his career and take a Hall of Fame quarterback, get him back on track, and put this team with a storied history back contending for Super Bowls where they belong. David Harrison here, the Locked on Washington football team podcast, celebrating with you a 21-grain salute to a less boring sandwich thanks to Dave's Killer Bread. I don't know about you guys, but when I eat pizza, I eat it for the toppings, not the crust. And when I eat a sandwich, it's for what's inside the bread, not for the bread. But when I throw a sandwich on 21 whole grains and seeds, thin sliced bread from Dave's Killer Bread, it is the epitome of addition by subtraction. That thin sliced bread lets me focus on what's inside the sandwich, but also adds to the sandwich with killer taste, killer texture, killer nutrition, a subtle sweetness, and a seed coated crust. Dave's Killer Bread is America's number one organic bread for a reason it tastes so stinking good dave's killer bread is made with the highest quality organic and non-gmo ingredients and is power packed with whole grains fiber and protein visit daveskillerbread.com to learn more and look for dave's killer bread in the bread aisle of your local grocery store hey listen up FanDuel fantasy players your day is about to get 20 percent better this is Vinny Iyer, host of Lockdown Fantasy Football here on the Lockdown Network, and I have an offer for you. Start playing fantasy this football season, and FanDuel will give you a 20% bonus on your first deposit. That's up to $500. That's a big-time bonus, and all you need to do to claim it is to make your first deposit on FanDuel. I love the fantasy contests they have on FanDuel. So many different ways to play, cash games, tournaments. I like to challenge myself there. Take my fantasy football knowledge to the next level. Many different types of game formats you can pick from. Main slate, single game, best ball, snake draft, and you can even play private contests with your friends. There's an awesome slate of games on hand every single week. You can get the players that you don't have in your redraft leagues into your lineup. Try to get that big time return on investment. Every week is a new chance for you to win big at FanDuel and that's what I love about it. Experience season long wins without the season long waits. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your bonus and start playing today. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Agent location restrictions apply. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires after 30 days. The one thing that I I thought was interesting and and maybe appropriate was Mike McCarthy pushed back on the narrative that complacency and stagnation had crept into the team. Except anyone who has commented on those things has agreed that it had. And Mike ha- also spoke about the way in which this was handled and he felt like it was a little cold, a little unfeeling, that it was basically, you know, hey, we feel like we need to go in a different direction and thanks for everything you've done, but turn in your playbook, you know, that kind of thing. And and I, I understand, you know, I, I tweeted about this and and felt like, you know, if you, if you don't want to be part of a narrative where your offense stagnated and your team got complacent, then maybe you should have fought stagnation and complacency a little bit harder while you were the coach. And if you don't want to be fired in an embarrassing way, maybe don't lose in an embarrassing way. Maybe don't lose to one of the worst teams in football, the team that had the number one pick, the uh, an Arizona Cardinals team that hadn't won at Lambeau Field in half a century. I find it rather disingenuous for Mike McCarthy from his vantage point to say, well, I thought it should have been handled differently 
or, you know, I, I deserved better. I mean, that's the implication here. That's what he's saying without saying it. I deserved better. And I know a lot of Packer fans agree, oh, it shouldn't been shouldn't have been done in the middle of the season like this. And he deserved more. And maybe he should have had the option to finish out the year. Why? Why? How does that help? Because if you give him the option, he's going to pick the option. <laughs> I mean, this isn't rocket science. And if you don't give him the option, he doesn't have an option. If you're the front office and you believe, I think validly so, that complacency and stagnation had crept into this team and had taken hold, then you are saying by firing him after the Cardinals game, this is unacceptable. And you're not just saying it to Mike McCarthy. You are saying it to an entire franchise. You are saying it to every member of that organization Front office, coaching staff, players, player personnel, I mean, game ops, training staff, team doctors, ticket sellers. I mean, seriously, everyone. If Mike McCarthy, who literally has a street named after him in Green Bay, can be fired in the middle of the season because he is not holding up his end of the bargain, then any of you can go as well. That is the message that Green Bay sent. That message has its own value. So for whatever you think about what Mike McCarthy deserved, don't talk to me about deserve. I mean, there is no deserve. I mean, dessert is what you get after dinner. I mean, give me a break. Mike McCarthy, this team underachieved. He did not maximize the window with Aaron Rodgers because he refused to move on from Dom Capers when it was clear years ago he needed to do that. He put his faith in a backup quarterback that he had not sufficiently prepped, had not sufficiently coached, had not sufficiently made sure was ready to go in an NFL game, even though he insisted he would be. Cost the Packers another opportunity to compete for a Super Bowl. If Brett Hundley wins a couple more games and Aaron Rodgers can come back with some cushion and get into the postseason healthy, they had a chance to make some noise, but they couldn't. Were they going to win the Super Bowl? Probably not. Could they have won a couple playoff games? Yeah, probably could have. Not like the Eagles were a juggernaut. They were good. That was a soft year. It sucks Aaron Rodgers got hurt, but a backup quarterback won the Super Bowl that year. And so that just puts into stark contrast the difference between Mike McCarthy and the other top coaches in the league. If you're Brian Gutekunst in particular and you're now in charge of stuff and you're Mark Murphy and your mandate is to dig out complacency and stagnation root and stem from this organization to borrow from the infamous Walder Frey from Game of Thrones... (laughs) then you can't worry about feelings of Mike McCarthy hurting his feelings. You fire him, it's going to hurt. It's going to suck. As someone who has been laid off, it sucks. There is no nice way to do it. And when I got laid off, my boss was in near tears when he did it. Did that make me feel better? 
Did it make me feel better knowing that he didn't want to do this? No. I mean, it's like if you're if you're getting broken up with and they're they're really upset about it and they're crying. Well, are are is your tears gonna stop us from breaking up? Okay, well then then your tears are useless to me. It's nice that you feel bad about it, I guess. I mean, is that what Mike McCarthy wanted? Did he want Mark Murphy to sit there in tears and say, listen, Mike, you've done a great job for this organization. We're gonna, you know, we're gonna we're gonna name another street after you. I mean, if you're Mike McCarthy, what do you expect? What do you want? What do you need? He admitted in the interview that he knew if they didn't make the playoffs again, he was probably donezo. So you lose a game late in the season against the worst team in the league at home, a move that essentially ends your opportunity to make the playoffs, and you're shocked, shocked that you got canned. And you don't think complacency and stagnation had set in when clearly leaders on this team disagree. Unfortunately, and I say this as a McCarthy defender in a lot of cases, someone who thinks he gets a a raw deal from a lot of fans, but it seems clear that the reasons he ended up getting fired were valid, that he just didn't see it. And maybe he could have done something about it if he had seen it, if he had recognized it. Maybe he's just in denial. Maybe he's just covering his ass. But it seems to me he didn't see it. He didn't understand it. He didn't get it. And was unable to combat it as a result. Which, frankly, proves that the move when it was made and the timing of that move were right. Because any opportunity, complacency, and stagnation have to set in. And the longer they're in your organization, the harder it is to dig them out. And so once you've decided this is over, then it has to be over. And the Packers just can't worry about if Mike McCarthy is going to be upset about it or if fans are going to be upset that that Mike McCarthy got canned in the middle of the season. I you know, I feel for the guy. I do. I think he's a genuinely admirable guy. I think he's a good coach. And it sucks to get laid off. I feel for him. I do. It was the right thing to do for Green Bay. And frankly, Mike McCarthy proved it in this interview by not understanding and recognizing the very flaws that ultimately cost him his job. This episode is brought to you by Philips One by Sonicare. One-up your brushing with Philips One. This one is the ideal one for those who are still using an old-school manual toothbrush. To all those people, it's time to take your brushing one level up. The solution is a simple one. It's the perfect timing one. It's the long-lasting battery-powered or USB rechargeable one. The comes in multiple colors to match you one. The one with a subscription that delivers new brush heads for just $5. Your teeth deserve this one. Philips One by Sonicare. One up your brushing. Learn more at philips.com slash one. That's P-H-I-L-I-P-S dot com slash O-N-E. This episode is brought to you by Shell. 
College football is best enjoyed at home. You know, the home that has no rooms because it's a stadium of 70,000 screaming fans. But wherever you are, ESPN and Shell can take your fandom further with savings up to 15 cents per gallon for Fuel Rewards members at Shell. Welcome home, football fans. Terms and conditions apply. See FuelRewards.com slash FuelYourFandom for details. Shell is an official sponsor of ESPN College Football. ESPN, the ESPN logo, and ESPN College Football are registered trademarks of ESPN Incorporated. All right, we'll be back next week. A lot more draft content coming. We've had a lot of news to talk about. Uh, And so we're going to start getting into some of these player profiles, some of these positional breakdowns, just to give you some final thoughts as we head toward the NFL draft just a couple weeks away. In fact, three weeks from today, round one will kick off. So plenty to get to before that. I am finalizing um, my reports on these players as I study them, some guys that I really like. This is a draft that absolutely breaks out great for Green Bay, especially at the safety position, which I think is really the last true missing piece for this team. You look, you look around at where they're deficient, and I think the only place where they don't have at least an adequate starter is at free safety, especially if Jermon Williams is going to play cornerback, or, or if at least they prefer him there. So we'll see what they're able to do in in terms of adding talent there. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Subscribe to the show on iTunes, on Spotify, on Google Play, on Himalaya. Go get Himalaya. Subscribe to Locked on Packers on Himalaya. They've got curated playlists for you. It's like Spotify, but for podcasts in a way. So check that out. I highly recommend it. And leave us a review on iTunes. Let other people know why you like Locked on Packers. Give us a five-star rating. It helps raise our profile around here, our visibility. Let's expand the Locked on Packers nation. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked on Packers fan hotline, send me your draft questions. Send me your free agent questions. If there are, if there are the lingering questions there, uh, I want to do a mailbag show just of draft questions in the next week or two. So send me your draft questions, your mock drafts, whatever you want to do. Send them along at 920-341-3775 to show me how you are staying locked on Packers.